0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another overly informative episode of Two Gays, One Episode. I'm Alex. And I am Goat Jesus. And what, pray tell, shall we do on this, the day that is today, without dating when we're We're, recording?
1: We're going to be talking about two episodes, episode 20 and episode 21 of Neon Genesis Evangelion. We're coming close to the end. We're getting we there, are. but uh, we decided to take on two episodes this time because episode twenty is just an ano mind f, and uh, there is a lot he was of practicing interesting for stuff end in of it, Evangelion,
0: but... is what he was doing. Yeah,
1: yeah, is he's practicing for EOTV and EOE. <laughs> so, uh, but at first, before anything, I want to talk about my dream I had last night. So I woke up in a cold sweat because I had a dream that I made a video essay on the rebuild of Evangelion and anno commented on the video he commented in the comment section and he told me you're a pathetic child having wasted your life talking about evangelion and uh, and then i responded to him you're a pathetic man child who made the worst movies i've ever seen over the course of two decades (laughs) (laughs) And, and uh and then it became this whole flame war and the whole internet was outraged and i got like a ton of death threats and it was it was crazy so i dreamed about that last night i just felt uh like i wanted to express it for some reason uh, <laughs> um okay was i in the dream
0: did i flame on no
1: <laughs> no but you can if you want okay we can we can go to twitter let's be history uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm sure I'll flame Anno um, in English, and he'll be like, Nunny? Um
1: But this is an Anno... Episode 20 was an Anno-centric episode written by Anno exclusively. He didn't have... Anno-centric makes from his tell episode's about
0: Anno. Like, he inserted himself into the episode.
1: No. Which... It, no, not this time. Not this not time. This time. <laughs> not this time. Not so. this time. well there's a little bit of that going on we'll talk about that later Uh, maybe a little Anno in self-insert I was joking (laughs) what are you talking about I'm talking about Shinji's sexual uh, relationship to women and girls which seems to be very uh, a little more Anno a little less Shinji but I guess as a result is Shinji Um, what do you know about
0: Anno that I don't
1: I know that he was not married for the longest time. Had horrible relationships with women. Tried to sex up the staff of Evangelion constantly. Uh, he was a bit of a he. He tried a lot of um, he, he tried to be a ladies man and was really bad at it. And so had <laughs>
0: oh, had some. He thought he was Kaji, but he was actually Kensuke.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, which I. I you know, with the rebuild, <laughs> that, that that has some dark implications when you think about it. <laughs> okay. Aside the anyway. voice actors,
0: is what women worked on Evangelion. I mean, I'm sure there were
1: some, but uh, it it was specifically the voice actors, if I'm aware. Oh. He tried to <laughs> he tried to, to sex up Oscar's voice actor and raise, um not shinji's Alleg- allegedly 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 I'm, I'm also not where did you it's, hear you know, this, it's a, this is, what are your sources this on is alleged. Just... <laughs> um the voice actors themselves oh okay actually, fair enough fair enough fair enough they they uh they basically talked about it but or kind of play it off they think it's kind of funny in retrospect which is <laughs> I'm like oh i oh, no. he's such a cuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's some theories that Anno was really harsh with Oscar's character in particular because of is that why he didn't want her in the
0: rebuild <laughs>
1: um I don't know, but um there was some there were some emotions flying around most likely behind the scenes of neon genesis evangelion uh <sighs> some personal issues um so Anno is very uh Anno. He, he's a, he he's he has a very difficult relationship with women. I mean, it should it should tell you a lot that he advertised Ava in part like EoEs. There was an advertisement campaign where he like called up some uh sex hotlines and talked to some women and <laughs> it was just like, I created Neon Genesis Evangelion on camera. He recorded himself doing that, and the women would go like yeah, that's nice. What is that? Is that a cartoon for children? <laughs> the more I you find out Google about Ano, the less the I way. want to know about him. <laughs> um, he he's a bit uh he's a bit of an interesting person, but uh and struggled for a while. Has seemed to have found uh, much inner peace through having uh his wife be in his life so that's that's good at least um so moving on (laughs)
0: moving on to this highly Uh... sexual weird introspective episode that ano wrote about himself maybe
1: (laughs) shinji's trapped inside unit one and that's basically the crux of the episode yeah, 20. Yeah, that's the
0: dramatic question is, can nerve save Shinji? That's really that, what the episode and is
1: And the answer out. is no. The answer is yes. Only
0: mommies can do that. Only, <laughs> only mommy can. Oh, true. The answer well, is, you're yeah. right, actually. You're right. The answer is no. <laughs> they don't save him. The
1: answer is no. Only mommies can save you. <laughs> yes. Only mommy. Um,
0: Not the highly equipped... Full of genius scientists, government organization. Your mother has to rescue you.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's probably autobiographical as well. Anyways. <laughs> what, what else do you know about Otto? <laughs> <laughs> well, after making Nadia's Secret of Blue Water, he did hit up his mom and cry to her for like a couple hours about how badly it went, so... Maybe you just how do you know that? His Did his mom tweet that? <laughs> his mom tweeted that. <laughs> no, I think it was Anno that uh, said in an interview himself. He's no, no shame.
0: He's no shame. There's nothing secret. He's like, Yes, I am terrible with women, and I frequently call my mother to cry on the phone and tell her how bad my life is going.
1: <laughs> uh, so he wrote this episode solo and which is is it one budget, of two most likely I think it's this
0: in 16 he wrote by himself right and the pilot i think
1: yeah it's, I, yeah 16 also has a very trippy vibe yes. going on so Six- that, that sort of makes sense <laughs> you can- i think he sorry i think he has to take over because he's kind of thinking as a producer in these episodes being like okay we need to save money we're going to reuse footage i'm going to write stuff specifically for re- reusing footage and so i think that there he is stepping in for that as well to be like thinking as a writer a director and a producer all at once with these because they reuse a lot of older episode cell animations for yeah. uh episode 16 20 and eotv yeah which eotv i'm pretty sure he, he also wrote himself he is really smart so, about it
0: i do have to say i actually do respect i don't think he's the best writer on the show but i do respect Ono's um writing style i think it's a very unique and i think it's very him um, for better or worse, <laughs> um, cause a lot of what's cool about it is when you have, cause animation is kind of cyclical, like repetitive, right? Like you see a shot that shot kind of sticks in your mind when you've seen it like eight times. Right. So having the I, one yeah. bit stuck out in my mind where he's imagining Oscar speaking to him, but it's Oscar crawling through the ducks in episode 11 in front of him. And he's remembering that and she's talking to him. So it almost evokes a certain uh context like a memory for him and it's it's like that's really what life is is a lot of the time you remember people from the things that happened in the past with them so it's it's calling back to that while saving money while <laughs> while uh kind of it, it's av- it's very avant-garde I think you told me once it's kind of like the ugh, you described it it's it's probably something more to talk about in episode 22 with um the Oscar freak out but the way using that type of repetition in film is a way to unnerve the audience almost,
1: yeah, 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 it is. And, um, <laughs> I feel validated. It, it, no, it is. It is it, to have repetition makes it uncomfortable. It, it is unnerving to kind of see that you know, in uh, insanity by definition is re- repetition in some ways, like doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. with no results. And Ava is a story about, um, in part about breaking free from cycles, um, you know, cycles of abuse <laughs> and trauma. So. And... True. True, is, true, true. Yeah, know, yeah. I was thinking of the rebuild it is. Like the how... yeah, it... anyway, sorry. No, 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 no. Forget about the rebuild. NGE uh, was already about breaking free from cyclical behavior and pat- ritualistic patterns of behavior. And that's why we get like the train car coming back a lot of the time yeah. and, uh, and the Eternal Summer motif and how things... They're kind of stuck in a purgatory, uh, hellish kind of mm-hmm. thing going on. But uh, re- Rebuild kind of takes that a little more literally, where it's like, okay, literal cycles. <laughs> literal of, cycle. Of the time loops. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but, um, anyway, uh, Shinji's sort of, you know, stuck in this... Uh, kind of weird mind trip out and the story is structured around the course of many days so we're taking this episode and we're watching events unfold one day at a time uh, and we get cuts of what is happening with Misato and the crew and with Asuka and with Rey in between all of this that is happening kind of showing how characters are recovering a little bit from episode 19 which was uh very high production value high and high, in, high energy
0: a lot happened a lot of high impact stuff happened i'd say so this is a low-key episode yeah, so kind of following
1: up cooling down we're cooling down yeah we it. Yeah. got
0: we need a. we need a breather we're like we've been jogging we were sprinting in episode 19 and now it's just like oh we gotta gotta kind of coast for a bit
1: <laughs> one thing i'm not a huge fan of in this episode is just um and this is just a writing technique, I guess, in general, but it's it's, it's sort of spelling things out for the audience a little bit in some ways. Mm-hmm. When Shinji's wrapped up in his own mind, he talks about how he does what he's told and he just kind of does things. And uh, in, in episode 15, when he talked about the cello and how he just never stopped because nobody told him to, yeah. that really demonstrated that he's a character that follows orders a lot of the time and does things to keep his head down and be safe and to please others and it did it in a way that was less direct than in this episode where he straight up just tells the camera like this is how i feel and this is what my character's about a little it's bit it's very yeah. it's a little navel gazy for my taste and then we get like a bunch of shinji being horny for, for the female a cast little cast bit yeah
0: so, sort of horny sort of unnerved and afraid of them yeah. <laughs>
1: yes like he imagines them naked, he's, but he's, he's scared okay. of them. <laughs> he's like, oh. they're pretty scary. I mean, they're animated kind of scarily. So, and you do
0: get the theme because I think one of the themes, more so in the next episode, it comes up. But um, it's kind of a feminist theme is the idea that all the women are kind of interchangeable. So you see all three women in the same pose, moving the same way, saying the same thing, and it's like it's almost this idea that, that they're all there's no difference between them really. They're all just the, the, the redhead, the blonde, and the brunette, <laughs> kind of,
1: almost. Uh, in reality, they're very different from each they're other. They're totally different from each that. other. Yeah. Um, I feel like Shinji is incapable of seeing, um, or at least the sexual part of himself is incapable of kind of distinguishing that these are people. And that's sort of a problem in a way, because it's really hard to make connections when you don't understand yourself and you don't understand others as a consequence of it because uh, how can you understand others if you can't understand yourself so they're so they're just kind of interchangeable in his mm-hmm. mind um and that's not good i don't think that's a good thing and i don't think the show is presenting it as a good thing here no 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 so, certainly not yeah um and then was... we get some like we get some stuff earlier if you remember with Oscar and she's totally kind of emotionally devastated by what happened in yes. the last episode. Um, she has a freak out. This, she... is
0: the, this is kind of the beginning of yes. her decline, I'd say. When she starts,
1: to yeah, yeah, really yeah, episode. I think we already. Yeah, I mean, we see like this, begun, this is when she great she's... yeah. We see this great shot of like her room and it's torn up and she's been tearing up magazines and kicking shit around the room. She's had like a a temper tantrum off screen, which is a technique I really really like. Yeah. About maybe it's because of the lack of being able to animate it, you know, budget stuff as we were saying, but as a consequence, you get really genius things like this where you just have the aftermath. Yeah, it's it's something. almost more unnerving to see the aftermath. Story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a story that happened off screen here with Asuka's meltdown and we don't and get to see saying... it directly, but we get to see the, the aftermath. Yeah.
0: What Go what on? she's saying to Masato is like awful. Like she's like, Hey, Ray's okay. And Asuka's like, I don't give a damn if Ray's okay. Why are you calling me and telling me that? Then she just hangs up on her.
1: <laughs> yeah. She. Ray's al- not... alive. She's
0: like, I don't care if she's alive. <laughs> Yeah,
1: and uh, she also is very, she doesn't really seem concerned with Shinji in the same way that she used to be. No. If you remember in episode 16 where she was listening at the hospital door to see if he was okay, and now she's just so wrapped up in her own problems that it's, it's becoming difficult to even consider other people for her so yeah
0: she she there was like three or four episodes there where she was really concerned about shinji because he got injured like four times in two episodes but and every time yeah, yeah, she was and there that... and now she doesn't care
1: now she's just upset that he upstaged her yeah that she's a failure she had a solo mission yeah. to prove herself in 19 and and failed completely I, I think we talked about this but it's almost i always get annoyed
0: when people are talking about how like oh asuka never wins a fight on her own it's like none of them do i think we talked about that in that episode but none of them win fights on it's
1: all very collaborative and shinji shinji gets his butt saved by his mommy that's the funny thing is that he was the real person that upstaged asuka was his mommy was his mommy (laughs) it's always the mommy i think that i think that's a pretty amusing in reality yeah Yes. Um, (laughs) yeah yeah
0: because you know one is you yeah fair enough yeah absolutely
1: um um yeah so that's cool and, and we get some Kaji this episode. We get some Ritsuko, some Misato. I Sunaya. was going to
0: say that Ano is like really kind of, the way he writes episodes, like it, like it's almost a perfect compare and contrast if we're doing these two episodes at the same time is because 21 is a Sasakawa episode. Sasakawa is a much more, I think, refined writer. I think he has a stronger skill set than Ano does, whereas Ano, I think, has really interesting ideas, but he doesn't really know how to present them in an interesting way. And uh, so this whole episode is basically just scene. Then another scene, then another scene, then another scene, then another scene, and there's no cohesion to it. He's just kind of talking about what he wants you to know about in this story. It's kind of what you are getting at earlier, but where he's just sort of info-dumping the plot, and then at the same time, he's talking about the emotional issues he wants you to think about. (laughs) But there's no cohesion. There's almost no... The the
1: only thing that ties them together is that calendar motif, where it's like day one, two, three, four, etc., It's like pretty much the only thing that sort of binds them together in any way, but they're really disjointed. I totally agree. Uh, Nothing is logically built on itself. It's, but it sort of accidentally works, doesn't it? You know, it feels like a mind trip in a lot of ways. And there's a value to that surrealistic lacking of structure uh, especially in a show like Ava, which is very deeply personal and psychological in some ways. So I think this is weirdly an episode I I would I'd never skip personally, even though it's strange. And I, uh, you know, speaking fairly, it's not very well, it, it is very shabby. So it, it is a very shabby episode, but I would not skip this one because there's a lot of interesting stuff here intentionally or not.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can skip anything in Evangelion really. I think the whole thing is kind of one cohesive um book almost. Like if you skip a part of it, you kind of lose something, I think. Yeah.
1: And you do get some plot that's important here because we also finish off with Misato and Ritsuko and Kaji. And Misato and Kaji have this sex scene towards the end. And uh, um, after Shinji escapes the unit, Yui kind of spits him out. um, And we kind of get hints that Ritsuko is having an affair of her own with Gendo. um, And we also get... Uh, kaji giving Misato information about the larger happenings going He's on giving her Nine something
0: Earth. else too am i right
1: <laughs> yeah uh it, i like the way that the sex scene is shot by the way it's it's a very beautifully directed sex scene in some ways because it's um it's again about the aftermath and it's more of the afterglow of it um and yeah. the the inserts and the just you know what's happening you know what happened and it's not gratuitous or showy. It's it's very mature, I think, in the way that it's mm-hmm. it's done. Um, I very I very much enjoyed the way that Misato and Kaji's scene at the end was was handled. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I don't really it's have much last more to say together. about this episode. Do you have anything to together, add? Man.
0: Oh, um, I think there's a bit more to talk about, but uh, yeah, just um. There's like a cool silhouette shot when Ritsuko, Masato, and Meyer are talking I wanted to comment on. I think that's just a really nice little shot. This episode was directed by... I wrote it down. I don't see it in the notes. Oh, here, sorry. Here it is. It's uh, Masuhiko Otsuka. I don't know who that is. Um, do you know who that is? Oh, uh... No? <laughs> well, you did a good job. <laughs> we it was weird script.
1: He did a pretty good job. Um, Apparently, he worked on premiere and Gurren Lagann, and uh, okay, so he's just like a—he's a, a trigger guy, guy now. Guy. Did yeah, some episode guy. directing for BNA and Star Wars Visions and stuff. Yeah. Okay, fair enough.
0: Um, there's also the continuing strife between Masado and Ritsko. Risco kind of comes clean about the Avas to Masato and she's just kind of talking like a scientist and then Masato slaps her because she's annoyed because is acting really cold. But then by the end of the episode, they're just kind of chatting in the car and they kind of make up a bit. So they have a very complicated Masato relationship. Masato slaps
1: Ritsko a lot, huh? She does slap her a lot. <laughs> Masato slaps a lot More of people. More than once is a lot. <laughs> I think she slaps
0: a lot of people in the show, if I remember correctly. <laughs>
1: She's Um, got the hands of a a fine woman. (laughs) They need to be used to slap fine women.
0: (laughs) Always off screen. Always with the same sort of shot composition. Uh, But yeah, that's really all I have to say about this episode. I think we could go into more detail, but that's all for now. Uh, we're gonna talk now about episode twenty-one, which is written by my boy,
1: my favorite, Akio Satsukawa. This one's called "Birth of Nerve," and it's uh, on Netflix. Called birth of Nerve. told the title. I always
0: remember is uh, I can't remember the exact phrasing. Of it. It's like, and thus he realized he was still a child, and something like that, which is a reference yeah. to something Shinji says at the end of the episode. But Shinji doesn't really play into the story otherwise it's sort of an odd uh thing to focus on with the title but that's fine i think
1: it's i think it's focused on that because it's contrasting how little he knows versus all this information that we're now given you know uh and a lot of it has to do with kaji being a super secret agent and dive rolling everywhere and figuring out what's happening um and so, this episode's told through the perspective, mostly, of Futsuki. Futsuki. Yeah, so, um, so, do you think with the title, just to talk about this a bit, do you think that the whole idea is
0: that we're seeing all these things that Shinji has nothing to do with? So, Shinji's... So, the, it's almost about how Shinji isn't important, kind of, yes, to so much I'm, of the lore of the story. I think that's, yeah. that's what I'm getting out of it.
1: Yeah, I'm saying Shinji's just this tiny piece of a grand puzzle that yeah. he is... Completely unaware of. That's what I was thinking too. So I
0: guess we're on the same page. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And this is is the first first instance of a director's cut episode. I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So
0: we open. So all the director's cut episodes have cold openings. You don't usually get a cold opening in Evangelion, but all the director's cut episodes have them. This one is super cool. I love the cold opening for this episode. We see. uh, We don't see the whole thing, but we see the little hints of Adam going through the and we see like an almost like found footage like bigfoot in the the wilderness kind of shot of him as he walks into frame and we just get the scale and the scope and the size of this monster that we'll get more information about as the as the show goes on and it's just so cool i love i love the the cold how, how, what do you think of it
1: i think it's a, a really clever cold opening in a lot of ways um I like the feeling that we're watching a a tape that we shouldn't be. And there's even the title card at the end. Uh, I think that's really cute. It's like anyone who watches this unauthorized is going to be sent to prison for 50 bajillion years by the United (laughs) Nations. Uh, it's a, uh, it, it feels like you're really getting in on a secret of some sort. And I like the, to be able to see Adam actually wreaking havoc on, uh, on the South pole base. So yeah. Yeah.
0: The whole episode is like found, photo is like this hidden story we didn't know about, and we're getting all this classified information. So, good job, Satsukawa. I don't think you wrote the script for the director's cut, but I don't think you wrote any of the director's cut scenes. But, good
1: job, bravo. <laughs> uh, and then the actual episode opens up with Kaji at a phone booth and he's yes. calling Masato, so, so it's almost a Kaji story, is
0: really what we're
1: getting. Yeah, out we're. Of this. we're... We're basketing Kaji is uh in in the in the opening, yeah. He's definitely the first character we see, and um, he's not the character we end on, but he gets ended if you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, really, uh, the
0: ending is about Kaji, even though it ends on Shinji. It's about Kaji that's yeah. happening. So, and I I think Satsukawa does that a lot, where he'll give you, he'll say, "Here's what, here's your focal point." He does that in the opening. is usually in his first scene. He'll do that.
1: He is going on a a mission to die and he's kind of aware of it. Uh, He even talks about that this is going to be one last mission and looks at his nerve ID and sees how red it is and comments that it's like blood and it's just super hinted that he's going to die (laughs) and he knows it and he's calling Masato to kind of uh, try and have one last conversation with her but she doesn't pick up Um, those who longed for the phone calls of others and thus rejected (laughs) them thusly. (laughs) So, <laughs> I guess so.
0: Those who those who phone called other people and they weren't home, so they left a message because they desired to talk to them later.
1: Yes. <laughs> that should have been the episode title.
0: That should have been the episode. Every episode of should just be the
1: episode 15 format. It's just, it's just... The last episode should have been called And thusly, children were stuck inside their mother's robots and thus escaped them thusly once they were released from their
0: grasps. A boy decides he does not like instrumentality and thus decides to
1: live a mortal life once again. (laughs) (laughs) Um misado uh is confronted by two nerve agents who are looking for kaji people are just generally out for kaji's blood in in this one so that's the problem you know the problem is established that kaji's in trouble and uh then we get these salee tablets like four episodes ago yes she did warn him about them
0: playing around someone's gonna come and kill you and he's like
1: no i'm fine it's okay Sele, instead of being represented by a bunch of weird-looking, crusty old guys, they're going to be much more intimidating 2001 A Space Odyssey monoliths (laughs) for the the rest of the series. Did they
0: explain this? You've given me an explanation before, but I don't remember they actually explained this in the show, that like, oh, they couldn't afford to do the holograms anymore, so they just use these weird 2001 A Space Odyssey monoliths now to represent themselves.
1: Well, no, I think it has to do with the fact that uh, there's a lot of distrust going on now, and they're even using voice modifiers to disguise their voices. So I don't oh, okay. think they want each other to know who each other are, really, and, and who's saying what at any point. Oh, so it has okay. to do with it has she to you just do to with. Me when you told me that I, I, I was mistaken. <laughs> it wasn't a lie, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We, we get the Space Tablets from 2001 interviewing Fiyudski here, and this motivates the flashbacks to 1999, uh, the year of our Lord and Savior, The Matrix 1, uh, the greatest movie ever created. No, I'm just Best kidding. movie. I've never Matrix seen The Matrix, is, is actually. Good. But really? It's actually pretty good. It. I think you'd like it. Um, the first one's good. The rest of them are not. Uh, Matrix 4 has a lot of strange parallels <laughs> to 3.0 plus 1.0, so... That's interesting. That's weird.
0: That's just weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like um, the little moment F-
0: where they say, are you ready to be interviewed, Professor Fiutsky? And Professor Fiutsky's like, and Fiutsky's like, "Ah, oh, Professor Fyutski, that takes
1: me back. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fiutsky is a really cool point of view to have chosen, I think. Uh, you know, yeah, because he's if, in the know.
0: Yeah. But he's not... He doesn't have an interesting perspective on anything because he's just yeah, a professor.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, Gendo, if it was Gendo's point of view, it would have been far too revealing. Of There's like a lot of mystery surrounding Gendo and Yui. Mm-hmm. And so to have those characters be how we view the flashback from isn't quite... It doesn't work as well. Fuyutsuki is also a pretty compelling character in his own right. He has things revealed here that you wouldn't expect him to be so complex but he's got this there's a strange love triangle between him and yui and gendo and it almost feels like he doesn't make a move on yui because he knows that he's too old for her in some ways uh but he loves her uh he he thinks that she is extremely intelligent yeah and well she you know she says i want to start a family to him she confides in that As and he seems to almost take that as like a hint that it's like oh can I you know is is she hitting on me? Uh, Just call me
0: Daddy Yui.
1: Call me Daddy (laughs) Feetsky. Professor Doctor, call me Doctor Daddy. Call me Professor Daddy. Yeah. I, I, um, I think
0: the only characterization we've gotten from Fiuski in the whole show is in Dance Like You Want to Win, where he's like, this is so embarrassing. That's the limit <laughs> of the characterization we've gotten from Fiuski. Like, I don't think wah, anything wah, else is really... Wah,
1: wah, 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 wah. Yeah, after watching this episode and you think back to that one, it really shows how far we've come in the series and yeah. how the tone is capable of of going well, in all sorts of different directions.
0: <laughs> that's not even normal for back then that was just like hey why don't we make an episode where they play ddr to beat the angel and they did it
1: and <laughs> it was absurd F- so Fiyutsu didn't know about yui right away he had to get introduced to her and yeah. she's a bioengineering student who has some weird thoughts about sp- uh, space aliens from another dimension, and uh, <laughs> and uh, some wacky stuff called the Evangelians and the <laughs> whatever. What if we
0: made a giant alien monster and transfixed our personalities onto them, and then bound them with robot armor? And <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, like, "It's a genius idea.
1: <laughs> Let's do it." <laughs> I'm not convinced on the details, but you've got a really good head on here. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) um, Have you heard about these Dead
0: Sea Scrolls? No, but I'm very intrigued.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's not what what Yui wrote about. She probably wrote about something boring like uh, macrobiology or something. I'm sure she must have talked about
0: the contact experiment, though. That didn't come up out of nowhere. They weren't just like, yeah, what, if we, yeah. what if we did this? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think they ever really bothered to think of the logistics of a lot of this. They're just like, yeah, they did this thing through science. <laughs> there's no <laughs> real, like, there's no thought behind, oh, how did this work?
1: <laughs> if you asked, uh, if you asked, like, what, was out? what was yeah. she studying? What was <laughs> right she studying even <laughs> that
0: led them to be experts at Evangelionism? Cloning. Cloning. is Cloning. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess she studied cloning.
1: I guess <laughs> cloning is fairly plausible. Yeah, cloning is a, a real to... thing. Yeah, the ethics of uh,
0: cloning are what hold us back more than the actual, you know, the, the yeah logistics of cloning yeah. things. Um,
1: so then we get then we get introduced to Gendo, which is really cool because I like seeing Gendo, young Gendo. Uh, he's young a bit Gendo of a is weird. He's, he he is weird. Uh, he gets into a bar fight, and we're introduced to him. Um, Yui has apparently told Gendo about Fiyutsuki and so we we get introduced from Fiyutsuki's perspective as as he's sort of seeing Gendo for the first time. And uh, Gendo it doesn't make a good impression. Uh, he says straight off the bat that he uh doesn't even like to be liked, and Fiyutsuki's like, I don't even like you, so that works for me. <laughs> There's almost
0: a James Dean quality to Gendo here, which is the weirdest thing I've ever said in my life. Because he's a greasy old man. That's how I think of Kendo, is. He's just this dirty scientist who doesn't bathe often, but he's like a suave, like,
1: getting, suave young guy here. It's so weird. Um, yeah, and he's this, he's this kind of person that, uh, clearly Yui seems to have taken a fondness to. She calls him kawaii in the Japanese, by the way, which is... That took me off guard when I was <laughs> listening to it. She was just like, is so kawaii, Fiyutsuki! Gendo yeah, <laughs> no <a> kawaii desu. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fiyutsuki's not pleased upon learning that she and him are dating. Uh, he seems to, whether <laughs> as he has feelings for her or as a guardian figure of some sort. Man uh, he doesn't seem to think like a good a dumpster. idea. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Yui runs off with him. She likes the bad boys is what it is. Uh, I think she likes that he's like weak willed and she can
0: control him. That's honestly my my actual thoughts about why she's attracted to Gendo. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, she's like, she's like needy. I like I wanna, that. Hey, I-
1: i want to be a mother but i don't want to be a, I, like i want to be a mother but i still want to be a scientist so i'm just gonna puppet this man to be the scientist for me while i chill out with my kids kind of gets the best of both worlds to be honest yeah so, and then she's just like eh, i'm gonna like experiment on myself and maybe put myself inside of a robot it's all good that's, that's <laughs> the actual conduct gonna...
0: experiment scene is so strange
1: <laughs> because it's like she, uh, Shinji's
0: there He's like ah oh. He's like behind a window and Gendo's there And he's like ah yes Everything's going swimmingly And then the experiment happens What did they expect to happen With the contact experiment is my question
1: I think they expected Her to come in And then out like pop in and out Or whatever I don't know So but, there's uh, a, there's an implication but In the last episode Yui knew that she episode. was going to be the There's an
0: implication in episode 20, we didn't really talk about it, but that I think Ritsuko has a line like, this happened before and we couldn't get the person out. And I'm pretty sure she's talking about Yui. Um, I'm pretty sure yes. she's talking about how we couldn't get Yui out of the Evangelion, but Shinji, they can get out. So this is almost, yes. Yeah, so is that what happened is they expected Yui to be able to merge with the Evangelion and then go, okay, now we're pulling her out and she's going to rematerialize. And that couldn't yes. happen. Yes. Okay. Because they're and, all very but, upset that she's gone, but I but, but it seems like the whole idea of... it's
1: it seems to be part of her plan that she did get absorbed and stayed there permanently. That was that was her, uh, and she just didn't tell anybody. Yeah, she didn't well, oh, okay because they wouldn't have let her do the contact experiment. Uh, but okay. she she I'm wanted sure to be able show, to be the Ava unit. Yeah. I think
0: that's a valid read on it. So,
1: um and uh the thing about gendo that's interesting as well is that it's he's very much a character that it's like what shinji would be like in 20 years type of deal where yeah. he's very awkward and or could be doesn't doesn't know how to interact with people yeah it's a potential it's a bad route for him basically yeah. but he's got he's got that same sort of thing and then he he becomes codependent on you, he he becomes codependent with Yui because she just kind of shows him affection out of nowhere, very strong <laughs> and very affectionately. And maybe he is puppeted by her. Uh, no, I think there she is... uses him. Yeah, yeah. And and this isn't rebuild, so we don't we don't take into account that sort of stuff that came out twenty do- years later. But, Does yeah. Yui
0: do anything in the rebuild?
1: She looks like she's having a lot of fun time with Gendo as their Ava units are making love or something. So, that's a... Uh, <laughs> she, she's having a good time there, I guess. I don't, I don't remember know. that, but Gendo okay.
0: <laughs> because the fact that the Ava units are their mothers is not even important. They bring it up one time and then she's like, oh my God, my mother's the Ava unit. And then he like has a freak out and then they just move on. That's it. But anyway, uh, I mean, this is the NGE Gendo podcast like, right now, not Rebuild.
1: Yeah, Gendo has like a whole sh- a speech, though, uh, if you remember, where he dumps a lot of his personal backstory onto... We get to see in a, a situation like this, but not told through the perspective of a side character like Fitsuki. Um In the Rebuild. And uh, I don't think that should be taken into account when discussing Neon Genesis and Akio Satsukawa and other writers who are involved. Uh, no 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 with this yeah deal, he wasn't so. he
0: was only involved in the first two um, yeah then I think he got. so pissed. I think it's a fair reading to say that is Yui... that Satsukawa saw 2.0 and he was like well this is nothing like what I wrote and he just quit that's my that's my head canon for what happened <laughs> with the refill I yeah, never yeah. wrote this
1: <laughs> I think I think Yui it's a fair reading to say that she is kind of like a mastermind or like a puppeteer in some ways um, well she's
0: kind of cold she's a really cold person um, she, she uh, is. Because Gendo says something like, is this really the reality that we're going to raise our children in? It's like, oh, this hellish landscape. And she's like, anything can be fine if you put a smile on your face. <laughs> and you're like, this is an odd, strange way of looking at that situation that she was part of creating. <laughs> like, oh, we could destroy the world. It's okay. We'll just make the best of it. <laughs> is that really sociopathic like she doesn't care or is that really positive because she always puts a positive spin on things i guess is the question
1: i mean th- this has to do with the larger philosophy of Ava, right where mm-hmm. it's you can make the best out of a bad situation and in the case of most people i think that's true i think there's some nuance there of course where it's like people have a really bad time and they can't escape that bad situation and you can think positively about it and there are people who do there there are people who are suffering who definitely have a positive spin on life but it's also you know there's there's some nuance i think it's i think it, for an everyday living situation yes i agree with this philosophy but i think there are exceptions that uh you have to actively fight you can't just perceive things as happy you have to actively fight for your own ha- ability to be happy. Uh, yeah. Like, if you're being subjugated or, you know, put down by someone uh, in that way, um, you have to fight back to earn, to be able to earn your happiness. There are exceptions where, pers- where perspective isn't enough. Uh, but, yeah, I think... I th- With what Yui says, it's like, yes, but addendum notes here. Read these. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th-
0: I think my own philosophy is in response to this sort of what they're getting at here is that you can make good choices to make your life better. You can make positive choices. You can make bad choices. You can make good choices. You can make, you can put positive energy into the world. Or you can put negative energy into the world. And generally you, what you put out is what you'll get back. Generally yes. speaking. Um, yeah. I, I think, think, I think yeah. that's right. That's so. not really getting at what um like Yui's character though. Do you think, she's cold or do you think she's positive is kind of the question i was asking
1: i think she's the thing is that you know ray is like a basis for her in a lot of ways and so ray ray like informs her in a a strange Mm. way and i i do think that she is cold but has like a heart you know good intentions with everything she is sacrificing the happiness of her husband and her child for what she believes is the greater good ultimately so yeah there is a level of Coldness there, but also like it is for their ha- their happiness and well being in the long, long run. term. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh so interesting, but yeah. And we're not even half done this episode. By the way, there's so much to talk about with this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's keep trucking along. So let's keep trucking along. Ski- uh- Fyutsuki is in the South Pole, like kind of seeing all the the devastation that's happened because of Second Impact, which happened in two thousand one, and that's where uh, the Katsuragi uh, like expedition, I believe, is what they call it, come into contact with mm-hmm. Adam. Uh, essentially, a human uh, comes in contact with Adam, or or they deliberately triggered Second Impact. Something happened, but uh, essentially, they impact ran, they ran up began. and
0: poked poked
1: Adam with a stick and just like eight and he exploded eight and he was just like Whoa! <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and misato survived that ordeal uh though at you know her father did not and she was extremely traumatized and we get to see glimpses into misato's past and her trauma she seems to be going under some sort of psychiatric care yep. um for what happened and it's, it's really interesting seeing how she emerges later in the episode and how she's really well-adjusted. And it's almost like a counterpoint to Shinji and his lack of therapy. But uh, Misato managed to come to terms yeah. with a lot of her inner demons. At least pretend or, or be able to put up a front of normalcy for, for living. She, she recovered. Uh, in a lot of ways. She's almost yes, in like a fugue she recovered when
0: they find her. And then she managed to rebuild sort of a, her... I mean, I think masato has got her own issues in the show, but like, she still
1: you're... got unresolved issues. Yes, but she's a functioning yeah, she, she adult. She pulls it back
0: together, even though she was a bit comatose.
1: And uh, and she be friends like Kaji and Ritsko and all right. that, and yeah. yeah. Um, but and then yeah, we get can... the, and the episode suddenly is from Ritsko's perspective. By the way, <laughs> like, yeah, all yeah, of a we sudden. get we get Ritsko <laughs> with her mother and everything like that, and how. Um, But like Ritsko's narrating at one point. Her her mother Naoka is jealous of Yui because Naoka or Naoka wants to. How does fiyutsuki know all this? (laughs) He doesn't. We cut we cut to Ritsko. Oh, in the present timeline. Yeah. Oh, did we? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not done talking about Fiyutsuki. We can jump back. Let's jump back to Fiyutsuki a little bit. So he confronts Gendo, okay. who's working for the evil UN. And and Gendo shows him, like, a cavern that's being built underneath Japan. And uh, it matches that of the South Pole, which this cavern has to do with the black moon. And so there's, like, a, a moon that crashed into the earth. This is the lore. Um, there's two of them. One's, like, the white moon, which ha- harbored Adam. And I think yeah. a piece of that split off and landed in Antarctica Uh, or or it is just the white moon specifically and then the black moon is underneath japan and uh and because of course it is because everything revolves around japan (laughs) uh and and so fiyutsuki is uh being shown this and gendo's like join me join me and we shall uh be together in in our evil ways and uh and Fjutski confronts him later on, and he throws down all these papers onto his desk, and he's like, "Explain these—the Dead Sea Scrolls, Explain this. the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Spears of Nebuchadnezzar, the the bowls of 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 myrrh." I'm know. going to reveal you to the scientific community. They'll be outraged about They'll your mysticism. They'll be outraged by
0: this garbage. <laughs> Dead Sea Scrolls, really? There's no empirical value to them. Uh, and we get the really he hammy, anyway. heavy.
1: Sorry, he ends up joining Gendo anyway. He
0: ends up joining you know, Gendo anyway. But there's also the really hammy shot of of Gendo sitting behind the desk with the with the cross behind him, the the silhouette of the cross. Yes, <laughs> which uh, interestingly, I think represents. The not the burden you could because you, typically you look at the Christ metaphor and it's about like oh he carries the sins of humanity he's carrying them on his back with the cross and then they you know hang him up on them. I don't think this represents his burden because I, I have trouble understanding what burden Gendo is carrying. I think this is more about um, I had a good word for it earlier and I don't remember it now, but his uh his his regrets like the the. The,
1: uh... Yui's gone by this point, so he's yeah carrying absolutely. the burden of her death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
0: burden of her death. I, I, I almost think it doesn't represent the the burden or the 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 things he's done, but almost the. <sighs> I had such a good word for it earlier. Shoot. Anyway,
1: Gensamt the Kuntzfert.
0: emotional pain. The emotional pain. The pain of being on the cross. I think is what it represents more than the burden of being on the cross.
1: It's also a great image if you want to convince people to stay away from the show because it, it's probably the most pretentious <laughs> shot of all of Evangelion. So,
0: <laughs> watch this show. I swear it's deep.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Then that's really the last feudski moment in the episode. I think he's just yes. like he's just like uh before Kaji
1: comes to save him in the present time. Yeah.
0: Yes and then we get to Did they do a transition? I didn't actually I there was like six versions of this episode. Like there was like six versions of this episode I could have watched, but I just I I didn't. Is there a transition to Ritzko talking or is it just No, it doesn't it cut? doesn't
1: really it doesn't really transition. It just cuts, but it, it does intersperse the present time Ritzko versus the uh past okay. timeline Ritzko.
0: I guess they just wanted to cover this story and then they're like, Wait, how does Fusey how is he involved in all this stuff? We better figure out a way to tell this story too. Which actually I think this half of the the Naoka stuff is one of my favorite subplots in all of Evangelion, really. I love Naoka. She's great the voice in Jap- in in Japanese is good too, but in English is so cool. The original voice. It's it's just such a it's such an interesting uh voice because it's kind of deep but it's also there's there's a sadness to it and yeah i just really like it
1: you want to discuss the character and just generally the plotline of naoka that? yeah
0: yeah sure uh so naoka i think is really interesting and we, again we get this sort of feminist message because she hates yui because yui is with gendo what what is it about gendo what do you think women find so attractive about he's weak willed. <laughs> he's kind of a creep. He doesn't really seem to care about anything. Is very he's not charming. There's nothing charming about him. <laughs> There's uh he's smart, I guess. He knows a lot about science. What attracts you to
1: Gendo Michael? <laughs> What attracts me to Gendo is the glasses. Without the glasses, I wouldn't want to bone him, but, you know. Okay. That's... The glasses change everything. He is goes that what Naoka and Yui like, like, like about nine. him?
0: Is the, the reflective <laughs>
1: quality of his glasses? Yeah, they see themselves in his reflection. They're just like, dang. Dang, I'm hot. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: Because there is that scene where Nelka's just, like, standing across from him, and, like, Ritsuko's kind of spying on them, and you see Gendo with these giant, like, grandpa glasses, and he's sitting back in a chair, and she's like, hey, I'm, I am see you put on the sexy glasses I was looking for, <laughs> before she starts making out with him. So, so maybe it is the glasses, maybe he just puts on these thick yeah, giant that was,
1: the, that was the that was a shift you know feitsky didn't like him originally because Gendo wasn't wearing his glasses during the brawl so <laughs> you're right <laughs>
0: <laughs> it
1: all came together once you... vision in he
0: vision and and he's wearing his
1: glasses when he convinced him to join him the glasses are what's doing it, <laughs> it ray has the people. glasses because she knows she knows the glasses the power they have the source okay? of his power <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh
0: yeah, so we get we also see ritsuko without blonde hair here, which is kind of cool. She's got uh, her dark hair in the flashback. Um I I, I totally lost my train of thought cuz we were talking about getting those glasses. I was saying how Naka is it <laughs> because she the, the the replaceability of women, the interchangeability of women comes up again here. Because Naoka is having an affair with Gendo, obviously, and she's jealous of Yui because Yui is with Gendo. So there's this almost like, oh, women have to fight over men idea that is a little bit contradicted here with uh, her story with Rei as well.
1: I yeah. think that makes sense. <laughs> um, it's 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 kind of just like, it's sort of, these characters are crazy. Naoka's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and and she is absolutely, like, absorbed in this way that is not typical. And it's really tragic, like, how her caring for this man that doesn't care at all for her. And that's what causes her to snap and kill Ray in the first place, is realizing that Gendo doesn't give a shit about her. Which so I love of... the
0: way that scene is directed. You just Yeah. I love um, the way that scene so is directed. So it
1: goes to... Mm-hmm. It goes to show that you shouldn't ever give your heart to a man with glasses because they. <laughs> very there's a evil lot more red flags than just the hypnotic. glasses.
0: <laughs> well, sure, he doesn't care about me, and he spends all his time at the office, and he's only interested in sex, and he's not a very generous lover. But you know,
1: those glasses, <laughs> woo. <laughs> <laughs> we've all had our glasses phase we've all we've all been through someone with those So <laughs> the ugliest glasses too <laughs> the uglier the better <laughs> honestly okay. the more power they contain
0: okay i'm gonna say i really like the scene where nauka <laughs> confronts ray and there's a lot of really good directing here like when ray says old hag and everything just pauses for a moment and and, and nauka's like what did you just say? <laughs> like she also has to do a double take that <laughs> Ray called yeah. her an old hag. It's also shocking to the audience though. Cause well, a, we don't know that this Ray is going to die. We just think it's Ray. And, um, B, that Ray would talk like that. Like Ray too, would not speak like disrespectfully like that to anybody, even someone she doesn't like. Uh, so it, it's <laughs> interesting how all the rays, even though they're the same person, they all have different personalities. Ray 1, Ray 2, and Ray 3 are all very different from each other. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then there's um, the red, the silhouette when she finally does strangle her. Uh, and as we were talking about with sort of like showing the aftermath of a scene, we see the the chalk outline of nauka after she's... Which
1: is not accurate. They don't do that in real life. <laughs> Contaminates a scene of a crime.
0: <laughs> Maybe anyway. Sherlock Holmes was investigating her death. And they thought it might be.
1: Yeah, they did that in, like, the 1910s or something, the chalk outline stuff, and it just never went away.
0: (laughs) 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 Investigating now because of death, and he's like, ah, I think the dead six-year-old girl that was up there might have pushed her over. (laughs) Just a really
1: bad investigator. (laughs) Well, this angle over here tells us that that the six-year-old girl was the one to blame, but... She killed herself tragically. She <laughs> uh,
0: tragically murdered herself several minutes before Malcolm felt the breath before her pushing her off.
1: The thing is, she needed to cover up the crime, so it was best to actually kill So she kill preemptively herself first. strangled herself, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, while strangling herself, knocked her over and. <laughs>
0: It's very sad. We're making jokes about a woman killing herself because she feels inadequate because of this <laughs> stupid man who doesn't have any emotional intelligence whatsoever. But every woman who meets him wants him for some reason.
1: He's just so, you know, He's such a
0: bad father, too.
1: <laughs> we just love loser men <laughs> that are just extremely...
0: love this surly, unwashed man with his beard. <laughs> who looks a lot like the creator of the show
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of true like if anyone's a self-insert it's probably
0: well gendo's the one who looks like anno
1: yeah i mean if if anyone's a self-insert it's probably gendo (laughs) so (laughs)
0: <laughs> this super intelligent man who's pulling all the strings and gets all the babes. Did you? Okay,
1: I have another Anno story. This one's this one's interesting. Okay, so, in on. an interview, I think in 1997, he said in a magazine that he considers all animators autistic. He said the words "autistic." <laughs> And he, he he did he say he the said, English
0: word autistic or the Japanese? He word He said for the autistic? Japanese
1: word for autistic. Okay. but I think I think the Japanese word is like autisticu or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I've heard uh, that Japan uses that word a lot though
0: for a lot of different things. So maybe maybe there was, maybe there's something weird going
1: on in Japan back then. I, I I don't know, but. I think there is a strong argument to be made, and a lot of people consider this, uh, like, Anno himself is someone who has autism. That's, like, what? unironic. Unironic. Uh, like, he's a... G-
0: Gendo, actually, does have <laughs> elements. Elements. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. But there are things about him that make me think of people who are neurodivergent.
1: And this is not an insult, by the way. Some of the smartest and most brilliant people, and most kind and like socially, like they're not socially inept. Uh, you know, people I know are like autistic. Like one of my best yeah. friends is, and so it's there's. It, this is not a dunk, but it does, no, no, make, no. It to, it does make it harder to. And we're not doctors. Again, we're not doctors. We don't. We it, can't say like, oh yeah, he shows. <laughs> it does make it harder to socialize with autism without like you know having recognized it and are able to cope with it and so it's like there's a strong argument to be made that you know gendo is probably autistic maybe ano himself was maybe he was like inserting those kinds of qualities because you know ano has always had such a hard time socially is one thing and him bringing up that animators have autism frequently (laughs) maybe is, is a way of keying in other people that he might also have been diagnosed with that so or
0: it's just more random
1: anno nonsense who knows (laughs) (laughs) um but it it definitely aligns with with the you know the characters and stuff if you if you're having a hard time connecting with people and and the themes of the show largely as well that could be a a bent um uh, that isn't maybe intentional i don't know so uh Moving on from autistic representation in Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot of autistic representation in Evangelion, but yeah. Uh,
0: we have... Uh, then there's another shot here. So we, we finish the flashback section. And we get Takaji. And then they had to change something here with the director's cut. Because the way they shot it made it look like Masato was the one who killed Kaji. Which makes no sense, but...
1: People oh, thought that's that. definitely not the intention, Yeah. No, but uh,
0: in the original cut of the episode, there, like he gets shot and then we immediately cut to Masato doing something or something like that. So everyone thought, oh, Masato shot him because I don't know. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I mean, the, it was even so much so that I believe the ADV dub decided to replace the slap or uh, like a gunshot sound with a slapping sound or something. It was very confusing. Um,
0: what? I don't remember that.
1: There's an there's a controversy between the ADV dub and the Japanese where the ADV dub decided to replace the gunshot with Kaji with a slapping sound effect. <laughs> uh, what,
0: so Masato slapped Kaji to death and then cried because he was dead.
1: <laughs> the, I don't I, I'm not really sure like about it's a very strange piece of trivia but it confused a lot of people. So. Okay anyway
0: so yeah kaji's last scene he smiles he goes out with a smile and probably a forward roll um he dive rolled
1: uh, all the way into heaven
0: he dive rolled into heaven dive rolled into the bullet that took his life (laughs) He,
1: he dive rolled into this factory with the fan wherever he is He dive-rolled into the bullet. Where is he? He dive-rolled into the afterlife. (laughs) He dive-rolled into life again, into the rebuild of Evangelion, and then dive-rolled back out of the rebuild by dive-rolling out of a helicopter. He became besties
0: with Kauru for
1: some reason. He he dive-rolled into a relationship with Kaoru and then dive-rolled out of of a helicopter to stop (laughs) third impact somehow, fourth impact somehow. And then dive rolled into heaven again. I think we've so lost that...
0: the story of Evangelion. We've ruined Evangelion for ourselves. <laughs> all the dive
1: rolling. It all—it's all connected. It's all—it's all connected. And the glasses have everything to do with it. The glasses and the dive rolling. Oh <laughs> God.
0: <laughs> okay, and then we have our final scene. Where Masato checks her answering machine and there's a message from Kaji. And when we watched this the first time, I guess I wasn't paying attention. And I was like, why is Masato crying? And you were like, because Kaji's dead, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, I missed that somehow. How did you miss it? I don't know happened. how I missed it. I was We did watch like 16 episodes in a row in my defense. I might have just been burnt out. My brain must have, might have just been fried after watching 16 episodes of Evangelion in one night.
1: Uh. You know, weirdly, that's that tends to be what happens when I try to show it to people. It, we end up binging the whole show.
0: Yeah, so she's but, crying. She's upset. Kaji's dead. Yeah. It's really sad because Kaji's actually one of the most... Li- probably one of the only well-adjusted likable characters in the whole show. The most well adjusted character in the whole show, maybe, despite being hugely problematic and. and uh, he was, he was one of the chillest women womanizer. Every episode he's in, maybe.
1: Yeah, but he's one of the chillest womanizers I've ever seen in anything. It, it so. is also
0: true that he respects women, like, ultimately. Yeah. To a deg- like, he behaves inappropriately, but he does, like, he really cares about Masato and respects her well being, and he doesn't i think uh,
1: it's always been an act it's always been an act it's just whether an act it's, it's to, just a joke almost
0: yeah, yeah. anyway whether I'm it's to throw
1: nerve that. off or whether it's to freak out misato um but yeah um, yeah he he will and be missed
0: just, he will be missed um yeah i don't think he even like there's no flashback with him or anything after this either i think he just he's just gone
1: yeah yeah and, Great uh, episode,
0: though. Great episode. Love episode 21.
1: I just realized, is Kaji a millennial?
0: <laughs> well, he's a millennial. Masato's a millennial. And Ritsuko's a millennial. Uh, um, how old? They're, are millennials. they're They're 29. What? They were 29 in 2014. So... 29. are a little older than me. Uh... I don't think they're Gen Xers. Yeah, they're millennials.
1: <laughs> Whoa, that's weird. Okay, weird. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, is because yeah, the, the show aired was not when the show takes place. So yeah, they're millennials.
1: Um, I'm not sure why that's important, but <laughs> it's not important at all. Uh, <laughs> Shinji realizes that can't I mean, dead also he can't, the other proof he of, can't of that, quickly, quickly, the, the other proof of that
0: brief. is that we do see us there is a scene where all three of them eat avocado toast and then pop a Tide pod immediately afterward that's a, oh, it's a weird scene but
1: i forgot about that one oh yeah my god that's like one of the most iconic in the show actually
0: <laughs> and then don't buy houses they can't afford a house <laughs>
1: <laughs> they can't afford it. Kaji actually so
0: many roommates she has to ha- live with Shinji and Asuka
1: there is a afford. twist Kaji actually passed away from the after effects of eating Tide Pods before he was shot he he died a, a <laughs> merciful death where <laughs>
0: this is such a good episode and we've like disgraced it with <laughs>
1: our stupid jokes <laughs> 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 It is a good episode. I really like it.
0: It's a great episode. <laughs> top five for me, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's, fa- it's fantastic. But yeah You were saying something about and, Shinji and I interrupted you to talk about Tiger. Oh, I just I was just saying that the Shinji longed to cheer up Misato's thusly, but could not, and so thusly put it, their faces into the pillow. I
0: think thus he realized he's he was a ch- he was still a child is actually a pretty iconic title. It's on the level of those women long for their touch of others and the surprise of their kisses. It's similarly overwritten and stupid in the, in the same way. I appreciate them, though. I think they're cool titles, even though they're really my f- dumb. My
1: favorite... My favorite title in the whole series actually is The Beast That Shouted Eye at the Heart of the World. I think that's such a uh, It's <laughs> poetry. It's title. It's one-line <laughs> poetry. <laughs> That's the final episode. Episode 26 is called that. But yeah. Um,
0: the the movie or the, the TV
1: version? The TV. The TV show. Uh, it's And cool. it's it, the reason why it says I at the heart of the world is because it's a pun on the Japanese word for love as well. Like I. Like AI. Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> but also, it's love thyself. That's what the title means, basically. Because it is both I and love at the same time. So... <laughs> it's so clever yourself. how it's the hell
0: trick. are you gonna love somebody else and then that's what rupaul said to shinji and then shinji went you're right and then he loved himself <laughs> but anyway anyway only black character in evangelion rupaul i'm getting very <laughs> silly <laughs>
1: i'm not even sure if that's true i think one of the sele members is black but
0: are they? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I'm almost sure one of them is. I'm like I think there's one ninety five percent sure. The
0: Willie I think some of the Willy characters are black, but I don't think one of the Sealy guys is
1: black. I will show you a picture after we wrap this up, so uh, but okay. anyway. Uh, you really guys matter. have a good a- Yeah representation wrong
0: representation.
1: Sale <laughs> member number twelve Se-lay
0: member number five who has no dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Good uh, job. Not that there's a lot of white <laughs> characters. We're talking about either or Spanish. It's just Japanese people. They're the only ones who matter.
1: <laughs> I guess Keel's white. I don't know. <laughs> Gentlemen, anyway. Uh anyway. thank you all for listening. This has been our podcast on episodes twenty and twenty-one. And we'll see you guys in another two weeks for the for episode 22 one of our other favorite episodes of the <laughs> but show. i think the rest are just it's just hit after hit after hit after this and, and if much. you did
0: enjoy this episode despite <laughs> its silliness or perhaps because of its silliness and if you did enjoy this episode despite the silliness or maybe because of the silliness then subscribe to us on patreon at www.patreon.com slash We upload a bonus episode with every release uh, on Thursdays. And this week we are doing a review of the first 20th Century Boys live action movie from 2008 uh, by the manga writer Naoki Urasawa, who's one of my favorites. Uh, Yeah, so check that out.
1: You have a good one. Bye!